We are in a, a series called Christmas Lights. And um, I shared with you a couple of weeks ago um, about my aversion to Christmas lights. I'm, I've, I've got this, I don't know, and I said to you, I don't know when it started. I really don't know when it started, but I, I came home when we were first married and my wife had hung Christmas decorations down in the doorways. It was, you know, those fold-out ones that you used to wrap around? That was old day stuff. And I came in the door and bonk, bonk, and there were streamers and there was stuff around and it became known in our home as duck season. And, and I just had this aversion to Christmas stuff. And again, if you come to my place, you'll find minimalistic Christmas stuff. You'll find a, a tree, which I didn't have anything much to do with, but I did put the Christmas lights on because apparently that's what I do. So we have called this Christmas season, uh, series uh, Christmas Lights where we want to kind of though draw the focus away from the Christmas glitz and glamour of, of everything. And if you drive around Yapoon, you can find all sorts of stuff happening with Christmas lights. And people spend a lot of money on Christmas lights. They, uh, my son down in Gladstone, he, he didn't do anything much this year. We went down and visited them yesterday. But in past years, he's had his whole front yard up with angels and, and stable scenes and mangers and, and stars and all of the lights around the place. And he spends weeks, like more than weeks, months getting ready for a few days. And then he pulls it all down and packs it all away and waits for next year. I think that's a waste of time. <clears throat> It's not. <laughs> I whispered it because my wife doesn't agree. Um, but we have this Christmas lights around the place. And, but we really want to draw the focus away from that because the light that we should be worshipping is the true light. And we spoke about it in week one where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. John 8 verse 12. I am am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. If you're going to follow me, darkness isn't going to be with you at the door because you will have the light that leads to life. And so this last week, Pastor Jasmine was sharing on Psalm 119 verse 105, where it says that your word is a lamp unto thy feet. And a lamp, a word is your a light unto our feet, a lamp unto our path. And we need to recognise that last week when we talked about that, that that God's word lights up our path because Jesus is the light of the world, and no darkness is in Him. And if we follow Him, we don't need to walk in darkness at all because we have the light of the world. So, what is the light of the world? Jesus but we have his word as well. And today we don't need to fear anything because he is the source of all light. For the entire world, he's the source of all light. And that means that even though we can't see our future, even though we don't know what tomorrow holds, even though it doesn't make sense, some of the things that we see taking place, we don't know our destination, we don't know what happens into our future, Jesus 
can and he does. Even though we don't know, we know that he does because he is the light of the world and in him there is no darkness. And if we follow him, we won't walk in darkness either because we will have the light with us that leads us in every direction. So when we don't know the future, when we don't know what's going to happen into the future, all we need to do is to trust in the light because he, his word leads us step by step. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So there's two critical things that we've talked about so far is firstly that Jesus is the light of the world and secondly that the word of God lights our path for us so that we don't have to follow anything else other than the light so that we know what the light is or where we're going. And this light of Christ guides us day by day, week by week, minute by minute through the darkness of this world through the darkness of, of sin and life and, and even when we struggle both spiritually or literally, his light shows us the path that he needs to take. So I, I hope you, my, my prayer is that we will grasp hold of the importance of this word. And we're going to read a few verses that Pastor Jasmine shared last week because it highlights something very important for us and as we, we began this series recognising that Jesus is that source and his word is a lamp to our feet last week. But this morning I want to take a look at another characteristic of what godly light does for us and has for us. And, and it comes from a prayer that Jesus prayed for you and I as well as his disciples, but he actually mentions you and I specifically. He actually knew of you and I when he was praying in the Garden of Eden in John chapter 17. And I'm going to read just verse 1 of John chapter 17, but then I'm going to skip to verse 6, okay? So if you're following along in your scriptures, either here or at home, I'll read verse 1, then I'm going to jump down to verse 6. But verse 1 says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also might glorify you. Then jumping down to six, it says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world, his disciples and those who were around him at the time. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I've given them to I'm sorry, for I have given to them the words that you have given to me and they've received them and have known surely that I came from you and they believed that you've sent me. This is Jesus praying on behalf of his disciples to his father. He says, I pray for them, but I do not pray for the world sorry, I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all of mine are yours and yours are mine and I'm glorified in them and I'm no longer in the world, but these things are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them through your name, those whom you have given me, that they might know you, that we are one. And while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. 
And those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they might be have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them to your word, and I've given the world, sorry, goodness me to me, Ron. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. And I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but they should keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world just as I am not of the world. That's important for us to understand what's going on right there. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they might also be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone and here's your mention, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. All people who will believe in me through their, your word, that they might be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also might be one in us, that the world might believe that you sent me. The series that we have called Christmas Lights shines a light right here. And I don't know if you picked it up as I was reading some of those verses there, but if you picked it up, but Jesus makes a very clear, important statement that we would do well to remember, but not just remember, but actually believe. And if when I talk about believe, not just that it's written in a book, but that we would apply it, that we would actually live by it. And the statement is, is in verse 17, John 17, 17. There's a memory verse for you. It says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. And last week we learned that the word was a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. We learned that God's word lights up our direction that we need to take. And that same word, that same word that lights up our path Direct, and that directs us on the path that we should take also tells us in John 17, 17 that it lights up truth. It tells us and shows us truth. Now, I don't know whether that means much to you at the moment, but it means an awful lot to me as I look around our world and, and discover that our world has a lot of different ideas to truth than I do. And I guess the question that you could ask if you were asking a question would be, what is truth? Because in this world of a whole heap of stuff, we need to understand what truth is. And that's your first point. If you're filling in notes, that's an easy one. What is truth? And one of the most famous questions of all scripture in regard to Jesus at his crucifixion and trial was a question that came to him from Pilate who asked Pilate a question. And Jesus is talking to Pilate and he says, and he says who are you? And he says, you're right. I am a king. You say rightly that I'm a king for, it, for this reason I was born. And for this cause, I have come into the world. This is what Jesus is telling Pilate, that I should bear witness to the truth and everyone who hears of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to them, what is truth? 
there's the question. And when he told them this, he went out again to the Jews and he said, I find no fault in him. Isn't that interesting that he didn't even wait for an answer? Jesus says, I, for this reason I was born, I came into this world to show what truth is. And anyone who hears and lives by my words live in truth. And Pilate says, what's truth? And then disappears back to the crowd and says, I can't find anything wrong with him. What is truth? And what Pilate missed and what you and I or many others perhaps could potentially miss is that truth may be very well right in front of our face and we not even see it. Truth might be standing in front of us and we're so distracted or so blinded by other things that we miss what is truth. And Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4.4 why that is, because Satan, who's the God of this world, has blinded the eyes of those who are perishing so that they're unable to see it. That's, That's why we are able to stand in front of truth and miss it completely. And what we read in, and this is what Pastor Jasmine read last week, in the beginning of John's Gospel, we find another part to what truth is because it says in the beginning the Word already existed and the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word is truth. Remember that. He existed in the beginning with God and God's created everything Through him, truth, the word. And nothing was created except through him. So everything that you see, everything that's created was created through this word. And the word gave life to everything. And everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. So truth, your word is truth. Light comes and highlights truth and the light shines. It says in John chapter 1 verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. John even goes further in his understanding of this word that is truth. Your word is truth, says Jesus, that existed from the beginning and everything that was created was created by truth and this same word gave life to everything that was created. What, maybe who, is John talking about when he talks about this word? He's using a word logos. It's a a Greek word. It means, it's, it's simply... His word, that's what logos means, your, the word. And, and when John's talking about this word, he's talking about more than just a, a written word, he's talking about a person. And if we go down a little bit further into John 1, it says in verse 6, it says, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about this light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. And John himself wasn't the light, but he was simply a witness 
of the light, to tell people of the light. And the one who is the true light, that was what John's purpose was in coming, was to tell about the light of the world. John 8 tells us that Jesus is the light of the world, who was coming into the world and he came into this world that he created. But the world didn't recognise him. He came to his own people and they even rejected him. But to all who believed him, to all who accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. We are talking about a person, Jesus Christ. They are reborn, it says in verse 13, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human or flesh and made his home among us and he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we've seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. So God's word was manifested in Jesus Christ. It manifested simply means it, it became real or it was revealed in a in a physical sense, the word of that where John's talking about was revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And nothing that we see created was created except through Jesus Christ. He was there in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. He was with the word and he was there in the beginning. And if that doesn't click with you with anything, that tells us that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we have Jesus, the Son of God there, the Father who was there, and we have the Spirit of God who hovered over the earth. We have the three, the triune God in verse 1 of chapter 1 of our Scriptures. That's important for us to grasp if we want to know who this light is because the first thing that he did was to separate the light from the darkness. The very first thing that he did was to separate that. So God's word is manifested in the person of Jesus Christ who took on flesh. Now, I say all this to you not because I don't think you know the truth. I'm not telling you this because I think this is new to you. I, I actually believe that the majority of us here probably believe all that to be true. And I want to tell you that because you know that it's true. My question to this or the reason for this is how true is it in our own life? Because if we believe this to be true, if we believe that the word of God is truth, if we believe that Jesus is the word who was in the beginning, who created all things, who was there with God in the beginning of all creation, and we know all that, how do we implement that truth into our day-to-day -day life? How do we do that? What does it mean for us to be believing that? You know, like I know, that this is true and you know that God cannot lie and you know that his word is truth. You know that Satan is the father of all lies and there's no truth in him. And Jesus made it abundantly clear that when he was speaking to the Pharisees, 
that the father of lies is Satan. He made it abundantly clear in John 8, the desires of your father, he says, you want to do. He was talking to the Pharisees. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. He stands in darkness. There's no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources of darkness. For he's a liar and a father of it. So what is truth? Jesus is truth. His word is truth. So I guess the next part of that is point two that I've got there for you. A straightforward question again is how can we know that? How can we know the truth? Which is really what Pilate's asking. It's the question when he says, what's truth? How can we even know what truth is? Everyone's got their own idea of truth. Everyone's telling us what truth is. And Pilate's saying, what's truth? Who would really know what truth is? And our world is full of ideas of, of philosophies and so-called truths that you can't, we can grasp hold of at any moment in time. And you don't have to much, spend much time in the world to, to discover that the world's idea of truth is very subjective. The world's truth is constantly being changed and modified. What was true 20 years ago isn't true anymore in a lot of cases. There was two genders 20 years ago. From a world's perspective, that's not true. And a lot of other things. And what is truth today, what is truth right now is going to be questioned tomorrow because truth is subjective in our, from a world's perspective. It's, it's hard to keep up with what's true, which is really what Pilate's saying. What's truth? It's subjective to what you believe and I believe and what I want to believe and what you want to believe. So how can we know the truth? It begins by answering correctly the first question of what is truth. If we understand what truth is, then we know how to receive truth or we know how to have truth. It's God's word that is truth. The word is truth. God's word is truth is what God, uh, Jesus said in his prayers. Sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. So it starts, if we want to know how to have this truth, we have to know his word. We have to understand that. And we know that Timothy, Paul writing to Timothy, he says all scripture is given to us by inspiration of God. All scripture is given to us so that we, it's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that we would know the truth. And it's profitable for doctrine, which we need to take seriously. It's profitable for reproof, which is correction, so that we don't get waylaid because his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path so that we can stay on the right path. It's profitable for instruction in righteousness. 
It tells us how we can live in a manner that's right with God and be confident of that and be bold enough to stand up for that because that the man of God, we it's important to know and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because it's important for us for the person who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, the person who is in Christ, the man of God might be or may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. He might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And when we look into God's written word, we then need to look back to Jesus Christ because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we want to know the truth, If we want to know how we can know the truth, it comes through Jesus Christ. The Word of God's total message from cover to cover, from the beginning where God created the heavens and the earth, right through to the last when the final judgment is going to be brought forth. And all of those who are in Christ will will come together and be brought into the kingdom of God in a wonderful big celebration time. Jesus personified the full message of his word. He was manifested or revealed. The Logos became flesh. The word became flesh. And when we understand that Jesus is the word and that he came to bring us light so that this truth might be made known, We're on a path to understanding how we can know the truth. When we begin to know who Jesus is and we begin to live life the way that he wants us to live because Paul also makes it abundantly clear that Jesus is the fullness of God. He's the completeness of God in Colossians 2. He says, for for in him, that's Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Jesus was the manifestation of God himself. And he came in a human form so that we would not just have this conception of what, perception of what God is like, but we would see him in the flesh. And he demonstrated it for us. And listen to the results of knowing the truth. Jesus said salvation comes by accepting Jesus and agreeing that God's word is truth. Salvation is in no other name. It comes when we acknowledge the truth. And when we look at the Bible, we see truth. So here's going back to the question, I guess, what is, what is truth to some degree and how can we then know the truth? We really need to understand that the Bible doesn't merely just contain truth. It's not just a book that has some really good truthful stuff in it. It is truth. It's the truth. It's the word that we have for us. Every word is truth in every part of the scriptures. Everything is true. And Psalm 12 
reminds us in verse 6, it says, the words of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. That's interesting, isn't it? Purified seven times. Seven is means perfection. It's the perfect word of God. And it's purified for us. And the words that we have are pure words. So I guess then it comes down to how do I respond to that? What, what am I going to do with that? Because it comes, if it comes back to me. It comes back to each of us. We can either believe that God's word is truth or we can reject it. We can say that all of this is truth or we can pick and choose what we want out of it and say, well, some of it's not really truth. And we can utilise this and manipulate this to say or to do so we can do what we want or, or we shift our life to align with what it tells us that we should be doing. That's our choice. That's everyone's choice. It's our prerogative to be able to do that. We either align our life to this book or we align the book to our life. That's the choice that every single one of us have to come to. But if we start to align our life to this book, then it not only determines how we live, it will determine our eternal future. It, it affects how we think. It affects how we integrate with other people. It affects the things that we attend, the things that we don't attend. It, think, it affects the way that the things that we listen to and the things that we don't listen to. It affects the people we hang around and the ones that we don't hang around with. And since God's word is truth, rejecting the word of God as truth, rejecting this book and saying, well, you know what? It's just some truth, but it's not all truth. Rejecting truth is rejecting God because he is the word of life. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So if we reject any of that, if we reject his word, we're rejecting God himself. So we need to recognise that we need to start believe and to cherish and, and start studying and obeying what the Word of God tells us and realigning our life to suit it rather than the other way around. Jesus said, I came that people that everywhere we might know truth. He came, it says in John 10, that we, he came that we might have life and have it to the full. And the thing is that no matter what we face in this world, no matter what struggles come up, when we ask Jesus not just to save us but to be Lord in us and over us because that's, that's another step. It's not just about being saved from but to ask him in and be Lord over the things that we do. So we submit to him at that point, not to us. We don't get to choose what we want anymore unless our thoughts are aligned with his thoughts, unless our ways are aligned with his ways.
And that's why Jesus said we need to be sanctified. The word sanctified simply means to be set apart. He said sanctify them by your word. Set them apart by the truth. Let them be people of truth that are separate from or separated from the world where truth is subjective, where we can wonder, oh, or we can, that's definitely not true because it does not align with that. We need to recognise that his word is truth. And since God's word is truth, we have a decision to make with that. And while our response is is up to us to make that decision, the biggest stumbling block that that most of us have is, is choosing who we're going to listen to or what we're going to listen to. Because a modern day philosophy is that there is no such thing as truth. There's no such thing as absolute truth because it will change or potentially should change. The, the, the world philosophy is that to be confined to this absolute truth is, is a kind of bondage. Why would you want to be in, encompassed by this truth and not have any freedom of movement in that? The modern-day philosophy is believe what seems right to you. Your truth is your own. There are as many truths as there are individuals. Follow your feelings. Do as you please. Get in touch with your own life and get in touch with yourself. Be what you want to be. Do what you want to do. Do what feels comfortable. And the result of believing that lie is the world that we find ourselves living in right now. The result of believing that is where we are as a society. The younger generation or the generations coming through are growing up believing that they themselves are their own measure of truth. That it's my right to do what I want. It's my life. I can do how I please. There's many of of our philosophies of our world that align with that. It's my life. You can't make me do what I don't want to do. It's my choice. The only way we can do that, though, is if we deny God's word as truth. The only way that we can make our own mind up on those things, if we don't acknowledge that God's word is truth, because there are many things that this world is aligning itself to that do not add up to that book. So we've got a a big decision. The word, as I said before, sanctify means to be set apart for the use, God's use, set apart for him and for his purpose. And when Jesus said that he wants us to be sanctified by his truth or sanctified by his word, we are to stand out from the rest of our society. We cannot align ourselves with the the so-called world's truth because they base their decisions on what makes them feel good and what seems good. 
but we're to be different. We're to be much different to that because we're now basing ourselves on an absolute truth that does not change. God does not change. He does not lie. His word never changes. And we're to stand up for truth and we're to live by that truth. And we're to be speaking boldly that truth. Not to be wavering around from doctrine to doctrine, wondering whether this is true now or that's now true based on some science or some new revelation or some idea that's popped up. Anything that does not align with God's word is not worthy of dwelling upon. And we're in the days that Paul was talking about when he wrote to Timothy, who was a young pastor, by the way. He was a young pastor in a church at Ephesus. And Paul writes to him and says, for the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. They'll be waylaid by a truth that's not truth. But they'll be, they'll be led by their own desires because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers and that will turn their ears away from the truth. They will, in other words, what Paul is saying is people will get alongside of the people that they want to listen to that align with their idea of truth. They'll align with themselves or they'll gather around people who agree with them so I feel better. And they'll turn their ears away from truth and be turned, turned aside to fables. And that's happening in the church. It's happening in the church that Jesus Christ is building or trying that he is building. It's happening in the world's concept of church where we, we go where we feel good. We go and do what we feel we need to. And we ignore truth. We're not willing to stand up for doctrine anymore. And if I talk about doctrine, it's almost like it's like, oh, it's a dirty word. Every church is all good, so I'll just do that. But it's not. There are many opportunities for us because today is a day for us to recognise what truth is. And we need to understand that we need to listen and endure sound doctrine. Even when it grates on us, even when it, oh, I don't want to hear that. Even when it goes contrary to what I feel like at the moment, we need to endure sound doctrine, to be people of integrity, to do what's right because it's the right thing to do, not because it's what I feel like doing or what makes me feel more comfortable. And we can't afford to run away from the truth because the light, John 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. So if we're not going to walk in truth, the, the reality of that is that we will walk in darkness. And if we're not going to listen to his word because his word is truth, we need to recognise that we're in a path that's going to be a downward spiral. To accept God's discipline, to, ex 
to, to accept his correction in accordance with his word is a blessing. And we need to be willing to adjust our life to that. We need to be willing to listen to the word and say, you know what? I, I want that more than anything. I, I don't matter what everybody else says. I don't want to be a world pleaser, a people pleaser. I want to please my heavenly father. And that's going to set you aside from people. It's going to isolate you. It's going to eliminate people out of your life that you might even like hanging around at the moment, but it's going to change. And But what it's also going to do is to bring into your life understanding. You're going to see things you didn't see because you're now walking in the light and you have the lamp before your feet and the steps that you take on a day-to-day basis are going to be helpful to you to do what's true and what's honourable and what's right and what's pleasing to God. It's going to help you make decisions. You're going to be able to say no to some things and yes to other things. It's going to make those decisions of grey areas much more simple because I want to do what God wants me to do and that doesn't add up to the word of God. I want to be obedient to God's word and I will say no to what feels good if it's wrong and adding up to, sorry, doesn't add up to what the scriptures say. It's a decision that we need to make rather than just trying to adjust the word of God to suit my lifestyle. And I want to just finish right there because we need to let truth be our guide and we need to seek it for ourselves daily because his word is truth and the light reveals truth. The God's word is is light because Jesus is the word and he lights up our path for us like a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. He reveals himself so that we will not stumble or fall. That we have a light before us on a day-to-day basis that leads us to life. That's what John 8, 12 says. We won't walk in darkness because we'll have the light that leads to life. That's our choice. That's my choice or a decision I need to make. It's a decision that every single individual person in this place and those watching online, every single person on this planet needs to make that choice. And no one, will enter into the kingdom of heaven except if we choose truth. So it's up to each of us individually. And I want to pray for you this morning. We're going to come to a table of communion. We're going to sing a song first, but we're going to come to communion in a moment. The table that's set before us here, and if you're somewhere else having that with yourselves, the table that we set, the scriptures tell us, is a table for those that love the Lord Jesus Christ. It's for those who acknowledge him as truth, for, as the light of the world. 
It's for those who have asked him into their life to be Lord, not just Saviour, but Lord over us, in us, working in us, directing our path, the one that we're listening to. It's it's for those that honour him in that way. And if you've never done that, I'm going to say, ask you, don't, please don't take from the table this morning because the scriptures tell us that we will burden ourselves up with stuff, we'll heap upon us the wrath of God by doing that. But there's, there's another side to this. If you have never received Jesus Christ and you want to, today is a wonderful day because today is the day of salvation for all who believe in him for all who put their faith in him, all who ask him, he says, I will come in and I will dwell within and I will guide you with your, the power of the Holy Spirit will come in and direct you to all truth. So I, I, as we sing this song, this is my desire for you. If this is your heart, then I would challenge you this morning to say, Lord, if you've never done it before, please, Father, come into my life. I seek your forgiveness. I seek you this morning. I seek the Lord Jesus Christ into my life because I just don't want to be saved. I want to have you in me to be Lord and Saviour. And if you want to do that this morning, you can do that. You don't need anyone to pray with you. You can pray before the Lord Jesus Christ. But I would say if you do that, the Scriptures tell us that there is a point where we need to publicly declare that. So don't just hide it. Don't just stay a recluse, a Christian recluse, but acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ because in my mind, if the Lord has really made a difference in my life, why would I not want to tell people about it? And so I ask you this morning, if God is speaking to you in that way, then ask him into your heart. You can come, I'll stand down here during this song and you can come and ask me to pray for you in that way if you want to or anything else, but you can do it for yourself. But I would say to you, if you do that, Tell somebody. Tell at least two people immediately and tell a third very soon after. Tell them because we need accountability. We need the light of the world around us. So let me pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. And I know that that you are more ready to come into our life than we are to accept it. Because John 3, 16 tells us that exact thing. For you love this world so much, so much, that you sent your son Jesus Christ, even while we were still sinners, even while we were messing up, you sent Jesus Christ so that all who believe in him might have eternal life. And so, Father, we ask this morning for your Holy Spirit to reign 
And Father, I pray that you would break down the barriers of, of pride and stubbornness and all of those things that we can come with, even shame. Father, even if we've been in a church for our entire life, Father, I pray that today we would recognise the truth of your word. And reality is, Father, if we, we don't live by your word, we, we really are denying truth. So help us to be faithful to that and honour you in the process of serving you. And so, Father, please come. For those of us, Father, who may have done this a long time ago, reignite the flame, reignite the desires, the passion, the, the heart of what happened right at the beginning, Father, that we might proclaim Jesus Christ until we go to be with you. Help us to be faithful to the message of hope. Help us not to turn away and be aligned with the world's way of thinking, but to align ourselves with the word of God. Help us to recognise the, the, the context of where our life sits with you. Because, Father, just because we come to church or just because we read our Bibles or just because we, we even go to a Bible study or pray doesn't mean that you are Lord. It doesn't mean that you've actually come in to our life. We become aware of you, but we don't want you to take any control. So, Father, I pray today that we would submit to that, to do what you call us to do and invite you near, Father. Take away any shame, pride, stubbornness of heart and come face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. And bless us now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.